and thank you for joining us at the Les Represent podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about everything lesbian and lady-loving queer. Uh, today I have a super special guest today that I can I can barely even contain myself from just asking all of the questions, but why don't you introduce yourself first and then we'll get to the rest. Sure thing. I'm Lauren Comp, otherwise known as Sailor Scooby on the land of the internet. Uh, I am a junior producer at Voltage Entertainment USA Inc., or just Voltage for short, uh, working on a game called Lovestruck. Which I am addicted to right now, and I'm pretty sure <laughs> everyone following me is just like, what the hell is this every time I post about it? Well, I'm happy to answer those questions of what the hell is this, uh, because I know it can be a little intimidating just to look at from the outside. Go for it. So uh, Lovestruck is sort of like a library, is how I tend to sell it to people. Uh, all of our different stories are contained within it, uh, including all of our lovely, lovely stories with ladies um, and our stories with non-binary characters. And then, of course, we have stories with uh, men as well. But uh, it is all romance all the time with different subgenres of, you know, action or fantasy. Um, we have sort of a mystery supernatural as well. There's a, there's a lot to choose from, so it can serve all your romance needs. It really, it really does. Like, I've only read through <laughs> two, like, not even two stories yet. Like, I'm trying to get through it still, and I'm just like, I will never finish anything on this. We have one of the largest catalogs out there. It's, it's pretty exciting, and we just keep updating it. So getting caught up is a, a monumental task. So, yes, I... I absolutely adore this app. I literally stumbled upon it. I was looking through Yuri Jam, which is something I absolutely love. I love the whole idea of it. Do you do you know Yuri Jam? I do. I also adore Yuri Jam, and I like seeing what people put out every year. Um, and hopefully one of these years I can participate. I just am usually too busy with work to do anything I mean, you're, for you're it. creating games all day, every day. Like, this is what yes. you do for a job. But <laughs> I could definitely see how finding time to do it out of work can be a little difficult. Definitely. Um, just just for people who know, Yuri Jam is a competition usually that's around October, right? Where gamers basically I... have a month to create a demo of a game or sometimes a full game. Like I've seen somebody who pulled out a full game in a month and I was like, how do you even find the time to do that? Hard work and dedication and probably not very much sleep, which that person should rest afterwards. <laughs> Yes, and I've actually found so much amazing content during it, because all of the games are very um, women-loving women-centric, or just female-centric games, and it's always fun to play. Uh, so I found Lovestruck actually through that, because I was looking through what the, last year's Yuri Jam had to offer, and I clicked on to one game that led to another, and then some, somewhere on there it was like, you might like this app, and I was like, well what is this? And I opened it up and I was like, okay, okay, okay. And then I saw ladies and I was like, okay, you have my attention. <laughs> Perfect. That's the reaction I like to get from people. Um, I'm, I'm the one who made queer routes possible at the company. Uh, so it's always really refreshing to hear people find the app because uh, it's, it's my goal to give people like us content. I mean, I've, I've been waiting for that forever like I felt like I've wanted it longer than anything longer than anything but I I think I remember like literally before a week before I found your game I was literally like wouldn't it be great if they had like this silly dating game app with ladies in it that would be so fantastic 
And Ask then, and you shall receive. Okay. <laughs> and I, I'm shocked by how long the game has been around and I didn't even know it was out there. Like, can you go over the history of this? Sure thing. So originally, uh, to go back to the beginning of Voltage Entertainment, the U.S. branch, at least, uh, or I guess I'll, I'll briefly talk about Japan. So in Japan, Voltage Inc. is our parent company, and they are one of the leaders of otome games for women uh, in Japan. An otome game is like maiden's game, girl's game, um, and it's all romance as well. Um, and they've been established for, I think it's over a decade now, uh, maybe almost 15 years if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and they came to the U.S. something like five years ago, five and a half years ago, um, to start doing this in the U.S. And originally, it just started with sort of localizations of Japanese titles that existed. Uh, but when I joined the company in 2014, uh, we were just starting to branch into making original content direct from us, from the States, you know, for uh, U.S. consumers. And so the very first game I actually worked on was called Queen's Gambit. It's no longer available, uh, but it was the very first game in company history between both sides to to have a lesbian love interest. And that was all of my work. <laughs> um, I, I put my everything into making Emily Verma was the love interest name, um, or S.W.O.R.D. was her code name because it was a story about super spies. Uh, and it was... It was a journey, and it was tough because it actually, her route almost didn't get released. Um, but it came out, and she ended up being the most popular character from that game, which that game wasn't a success in many ways. Uh, it wasn't very popular. It wasn't very well downloaded. Um, not a ton of people played it, but Emily's route really resonated with people across the world. The amount of messages I got after it came out from users saying how important it was to them that this was the first time they saw a real, you know, lesbian romance route and not one that was tailored for the male gaze and tailored for male players. Um, and even players who were like, this is the first time Emily Verma is an Indian woman. You know, I had players message me and say, this is the first time they've seen someone who even looks like themselves in a game. And it was amazing. And that that work on that game led to me being put on the team that was formerly called the Ame Mix team uh, that made Astoria Fates Kiss, Gangsters in Love, and Castaway Loves Adventure. Um, and Astoria Fates Kiss was our first game as that new team, the Ame Mix team. Uh, and from the get-go, after seeing the success of Emily and seeing kind of the impact it could have, we all agreed very much to my relief that yes, we should absolutely include another lesbian route. And that's where Medusa was born. And Medusa uh, is arguably my favorite love interest, but that's mostly because she's one of the very first um, that I got to see through to the very end. Um, and from there we had Aurora James and Serena Zhang and just on and on and on um, to the point where if you count games that are discontinued like Queen's Gambit and Kisses and Curses, which was a free-to-play game outside of Love Struck, uh, which had two female love interests as well, we are approaching uh, 15 queer love interests in the app, which that also includes our two non-binary love interests in that number as well. It just fills my heart with so much joy to hear about this success story because I, <laughs> I, I work in marketing, unfortunately. 
Oh where... man, that's the worst, <laughs> like not the worst job. It's actually the most important job, but it's a hard job. It's very difficult. And I cannot tell you how much it has dashed me over and over again to hear people say that, you know, cult like getting things for a minority to service a minority to try to sell to a minority is not profitable i've heard that speech over and over again that you want to be general and you want to attach yourself to a most amount of people because the more people that buy the more successful it is and i've heard over and over again from people that it is just not profitable to go toward a minority or towards you know an alternative group of people which is absolute rubbish it is absolute it is. rubbish because there's so much, like, the fact that they would think that the LBGT community is considered a minority is almost absolute rubbish to me. Because there are so many people out there that no one even knows how many are out there. And it's just, well, yeah. they're just afraid to fight against anyone who's loud enough to open their mouth to say they don't like what they're doing. Anyway. It is very scary. Um, but thankfully, over the years, you know, with Emily, with Medusa, with every single LGBTQ character we've released since the beginning, the fans have shown us, you know, both with their hearts and words and wallets, right, that <laughs> that we're making something worthwhile and that we're making something that can be profitable for a company. But for me personally, it's it's so important to do this there's always you know those quotes online that's like be who do you needed when you were younger and for me this is making content that i really wish i had growing up same same because when i was growing up all of it's like every game you would have to pick a guy character in order to even get close to a female love interest and you would just sit through it and be like sure i'll do this here's to you kotor <laughs> <laughs> And my first love, Bastila Sean. Um, but yeah, no, it's, I definitely had that experience as well, right? Having to play male characters to romance female characters. Uh, but like, like if you could have seen my collection of Harvest Moon games 10 years ago, you would have. Oh man, same. Like, <laughs> you can choose between this many ladies. And it's just like, how do you choose? And you'll just have I love like, Harvest Moon as a series oh because all of those girls are good. Exactly. <laughs> They're all so, ugh, we're not, this is not what we're supposed to be talking about. <laughs> but, ugh, like, I just want to. influenced wanna, me. I just want to say Harvest Moon 64 was the best and you can come at me. Go ahead. <laughs> I invite your fight because that was just I... the best game to me. I won't fight about it. The first one I actually played was A Wonderful Life, so it's very near and dear to my heart. Um, but they're all good. I've enjoyed every single one that I've played. I know, and when they actually came out with the girl farmer, I was just like, but then I can't romance, romance the girls. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's not fair anymore. <laughs> exactly. But but yes, but yes. So I, I'm knee-deep in Medusa's storyline right now, and that's so wonderful just to have this here, to have it here to be able to read through her story and to see that it's not... I guess what I'm trying to say is that the one thing I actually really do love is that when you're going through these queer storylines, you don't really get that sense of, like, people already know what they like. There's no real kind of coming out story. Like, they're kind of just already established of, oh, yes, I'm going to like this, and they don't make a huge fit about it. Yes, so the titles fantastic. that I have directly worked on, I really... I made it a goal and the team all accepted this goal and tried to work their best towards it was that when you have a fantasy world, you don't have to bake in the prejudices of real life. I love it. <laughs> right. So, and, and I personally, I have a hard time writing coming out stories because it's not an easy topic. 
my coming out was not easy. So I don't personally enjoy writing those. Is Are there coming out stories within the app? Yes, I didn't work on them. Other other teams did. And they, those are valid too. People s- still need those. I don't personally need them. So I focus more on the titles and, and the relationships and the routes where it is it is just established. It is a thing. Um, but thankfully, across the board, all of our heroines are bisexual. Um, Speakeasy heroine is the main one who has a coming out story as a, as a heroine because it's the 1920s. Um, so that had to bake in a little bit of that uh, just because it's a little harder to be like, yes, I love women in the 1920s and I'm not going to think about this at all. <laughs> I have to read uh, that story next though because I absolutely love the 20s. It's one of my favorite decades to study and I don't know how... I don't know how Gangsters in Love won over that one to read first. I still don't understand. <laughs> well, Aurora yeah. James is a she, goddess. She's so wonderful. <laughs> she is wonderful. Like, I... Oh, let me tell you. When I first saw her in that suit, I was like, okay. Yes. Like, is there, her is very there a question? First... Is there yeah, a question no. who I'm supposed to pick here? Because that one. She is one of my favorite routes as well. I helped work on her seasons one through three. Um, and after season three, that's when we actually started to have a larger team and split off into different teams handling different apps. So I, I helped with her initial groundwork, her very first EI, and EI stands for event illustration. It's those special images that you get throughout the stories. Oh my God. Um, so if you hear me say EI, I'm referring to the special gallery images. Please. Her very first EI, uh, the... The lead of that game was like, do you have anything you want to see? And I like had the exact image in my mind and made her and another one of our teammates pose for it and take pictures. And it, it came out perfect. It's one of the, it's one of my favorites. Is it that one with her sitting on the MZ's yes. lap? Because yes. that might be my, my phone's background. I will never, <laughs> I won't confirm. I will neither confirm nor deny, but it. That's all right. I know in my heart what the truth is uh because i that ei is one of the most specifically tailored to the the queer gaze the the women love and women gaze right i it's very specifically made for us and i it feels like a success to hear that like it does resonate so well with other people as well i mean that's what that was the striking impression that was like i am not going to be able to put this app down for a while and i've been reading on this app for like over a month and that's i mean i'm what are the words i'm looking for (laughs) i have a very short attention span so me doing anything consistently for a month that doesn't include breathing or going to work is amazing to me i'm really flattered uh, (laughs) because everyone who works on these stories puts so much into it so much of ourselves so much of our hearts you know and it's it's always really validating when people say or, you know, come to me and say, I loved this story so much. You know, even if it's just that, even if it's just a quick, I wanted to let you know this story. I loved Aurora's story. I loved, you know, Altea's story. I loved XYZ's story. You know, it always picks everyone's spirits up. I I think I might have been a little too serious about tracking down some of the people who worked on this and then uh, thanking them personally. Um, I'm trying not to be, like, bothersome. For some reason, I'm thinking me going over there and saying this is the most amazing thing I've ever read. I don't want to bother people about that, but it is important to tell you that. How many times have I told you that since we started talking? Quite a few, and honestly, I appreciate it every time, because sometimes 
you know, people won't always be happy. There will always people be people who don't like what you do. As the saying goes, you can make the best peach pie, but there will always be people who don't like peaches. Um, you know, and those people, unfortunately, in every every field, in every game studio, everywhere, those people will always be very loud. Because um, that's just how the internet works. So hearing from people how much they enjoy something, how much something meant to them, that's always just really refreshing. And so how long have you been working on this? Because you, I think you told me, when did, when did Lovestruck actually launch? Because so, I know that three of them, three of the stories used to be their own individually right. and you guys pulled them together. Yes, so Lovestruck has been out for a little over a year. It launched last year in March, um, right during GDC week, actually. Um, and yeah, so Astoria Fates Kiss, which originally was called Labyrinths of Astoria, but people struggled with spelling labyrinths, so we changed it. Um, Gangsters in Love and then Castaway Love's Adventure were their own standalone apps. Um, for Astoria had come out in July of 2015, so year and a half, I, I want to say that adds up to. Math isn't always my strong suit. <laughs> that's, um, that's amazing, yeah. because I yeah. mean, I, I know many of authors in real life and it takes them longer than a year to make a story well that's not true it takes them over a year to publish the story and it's just amazing how quickly you guys are going at this because right now you look at your updates and you guys are updating like sometimes three times a week three yep. times a week but sometimes like four stories in that day or like chapters yeah. and that's insanity like how do you keep up with that kind of scheduling it's a lot of work. Uh, that's a lot of what my job is these days. As a team leader, as a junior producer, aiming for the just full producer role, you know, my job is making sure my team has the time they need, has the resources they need, has the setup they need to get these things done in time. And I wrangle a lot of writers. Uh, I have a stable of nearing like 20 writers right now for my team alone. That's not even counting other teams in the office. So you know, coordinating with them and making sure things go smoothly is my job. And also making sure that the content is what it needs to be to be romantic for everyone. And that's, that's amazing. I can't even fathom that. Like, <laughs> like it's been I... a long time coming. I, I was an associate producer when I first was hired in after graduating from college. Uh, and that's when I worked on Queen's Gambit and was really in the trenches. Um, I learned a lot on that project, both what not to do and a little bit of what to do and then on a story of fate's kiss and a little bit of gangsters in love i was still very much in the trenches making the content um and being much more of an active creator um not to say that i'm not now i still help establish all of the worlds and characters and stories and edit all the scripts and edit all the plots and all of that but uh back then i didn't have a team to manage it was me and my writers, basically, and now it's a much larger scale operation because we release so much content constantly. That is so amazing. So, would it is it fair to ask if your if your work is mostly women? Because this seems like this app is geared mostly. Well, I would think it is mostly toward women and queer folk. When I was hired in the company, the U.S. branch was majority women, and I would like. I I'm pretty sure the Japanese company is also a pretty. I feel like it's a slight majority women um, because it is very targeted content. Now in the U.S. office, it's a little more evenly split. Um, but yeah, no, we there's a lot of women in the office, and it's actually a really 
really encouraging space to be in as a woman game dev and um, almost there's there's one writer I work with on my team who uh, is a man and everyone else is either a woman or non-binary. So it's it's really empowering to be able to provide people opportunities to work on content like this. I'm like starstruck right now because that's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing to hear. And this is something that we really desperately need is just to be able to have a space to create our own and to support each other. Absolutely. I've always, from the get-go, part of what I tell people when I tell them to try the game even once is that this isn't just content created for the sake of being created to make a buck, right? It's it's created by queer people for queer people. Um, and that goes a very long way in making it feel authentic and making it feel good. True, because, you know, I sometimes you can tell when certain creators, I mean, you can watch TV and you can tell when certain creators are written by somebody for somebody else, but they don't really get it. Like, we see it yes. all the time of these rooms filled with white men who are going to write things for people and it's like the characters don't fit like you'll have unfortunately um black characters who sound like they're white because they're just made by a room full of white people so like to having that kind of diversity and having that kind of people who actually understand is incredible and it really shows through the work yes yeah it's something that I pride myself in that I pride myself in pushing the company towards and making the apps more diverse in general, not even just on a queer front, but on a on a racial front as well. Um, Havenfall is for Lovers, which is one of my team's titles. Uh, you know, the first character we announced is our biracial lesbian werewolf sheriff. Right? <laughs> like that's that was a huge thing to to have her as sort of the cover of of this new title and that had never been considered for a long time and and then villainous knights which is our other newest one has a black heroine for the very first time and that's huge that means so much to me that's just surprising that it's taken so long like in, in I mean, the general from, of the world, I mean, like it's just—it's so strange how this world has been made of so many different people for so long, and just now we've gotten around to actually including people. Yes, I—that's always been my push. I want all of my friends to see themselves in games, and for the longest time, they have not. Uh, so, getting a black heroine—you know, yes, it should have happened much sooner, but I'm thankful that it's happening now. Um, same. Because it could have not. <laughs> they there's there was a time when I was afraid that we would not be able to make a black hero, and uh, but that thankfully did not come to pass. And now we have. She's wonderful. I love that heroine so much. She's she's our SF Bay native heroine as well, which is exciting for all of us in the office. So that means San Francisco Bay, right? Yes, San Francisco okay. Bay Area. So she says hella. And... You'll have to excuse me. Small town, no. small town Texas over here doesn't... I just don't, don't know. Sometimes I don't get things because I live under a rock. In the no, States. that's all right. I'm always happy to explain what I'm saying. I've been living in San Francisco for four and a half years now, so my perception is sometimes a little skewed. So... So why don't you tell us how you've gotten into this? Because like, I've, I've loved video games all of my life, but it always seems like it was so hard to be a woman in video games. 
Yeah, so when I was in high school, I was playing, no, I'll, I'll backtrack. When I was in high school, I saw a commercial for a school. It no longer exists. My alma mater uh, was closed a year or two ago. Mine um, too, actually. So I won't, I won't reference it by name, uh, just for, for my own sake. Uh, but I saw a commercial for my alma mater. It was super cheesy. <laughs> it wasn't a very good commercial. But seeing that commercial was literally the first time that I realized, oh my god, you can get a job working on games. Up to that point, I had never really thought about the fact that there are people behind these things that I'm enjoying and playing. Um, so when when I realized that was a thing I could do and I could be, uh, I applied to that school and I went to that school and I worked. What is the swearing policy before I finish um, this sentence? You do you and I will do my best not to follow because I will spiral downwards into just using the word <laughs> fuck every other word. And it gotcha. just, just doesn't help the integrity of the podcast to have your host just swearing, swearing like a sailor all the time. Gotcha. You, you, gotcha. Do you. you do you. <laughs> okay, so... I I worked my ass off in college to network and to meet people and to put my skills out there. Uh, when I first went to college, I actually thought I wanted to be a programmer, which really was not the right fit for me. Uh, and it turned out that production, being a producer, learning to manage a team and be the one in control of of the communication flow and of what's happening, that was the perfect fit for me. So I, I really pushed myself. I had some really great mentors along the way who I'm still pretty, pretty dang close to um, and go to for advice when I need it. But uh, I, I managed to graduate in three years. I started in July of 2010 and graduated in August of 2013. We went um, to college at the same time. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's all right. And uh, after I graduated in August, by Thanksgiving, um, I had applied to so many places, both here and overseas. Um, there was a place in Budapest that I had made it to the second round of interviewing for, and it fell through. And I had interviewed with a couple other places um, here. And then finally, the recruiter reached out to me for the Voltage job. Um, and it sounded really interesting and really great. I did Skype interviews because at this time I was still in Phoenix. Um, and they loved me and my energy and the fact that I had game experience um, because I had done some internships during school as well. And the rest is history. I, uh, I moved out to San Francisco. I got a place in Oakland when I first moved out here on December 19th of 2013, I think, if I remember right. And then I started my first day at Voltage on January 2nd. Yeah, it was. Born. Yeah, it was a very fast transition from graduating to job, which I know is incredibly lucky, and I am very grateful for the opportunities I had. And I know there's a, a level of privilege that goes into that, being a a cis white woman, um, even though I'm I'm queer. But I'm I know I'm lucky. I'm no I know I had some privilege there, but I'm very thankful to be where I'm at now. I'm very thankful that you're where you're at. Otherwise, I wouldn't be reading these great stories. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I, I love what I do, though. So, like, was it was it a difficult transaction, do you think, con convincing your team to do queer storylines? Or did you think it was ready to happen? 
So my very first producer, who he's no longer at the company, but the first or second week I was there, pulled me into room and, you know, had told me about the brand new, like original content storyline that we wanted to do. And he told me, I think we could pitch a, a lesbian. And I looked him dead in the eye and I told him, you picked the right person for your team. <laughs> <laughs> and from that moment onwards, that route was mine. I was the, the lead creator for Emily Verma and pushed for it. And I was terrified to pitch this to our CEO and COO, um, who are the CEO and COO in Japan as well. Uh, I was terrified because there's a huge culture difference and it had never been done. And I had no idea if they would say yes, um, but they did. The COO really loved the energy that I brought to the room and I had, piles of paperwork stacked up to back up my claims. Uh, she's the CEO. Uh, Nana-san is a huge Grey's Anatomy fan. Ah. So I, I had told her, you know, I was like, you know, you know, like Cali in Arizona, you know, there's a huge market for people who, who want that, you know, <laughs> and, and she was sold. She, she was like, she, she gave us the approval. Um, Queen's Gambit, unfortunately had an very long production time, an overly long production time. So by the time it launched, it only launched with two of the four characters, both of which were male characters, and it didn't launch to a great reception. And there was a point uh, where they said, stop production and move forward, move on without releasing the rest. But Emily's content was ready. It was done and ready to go. And I, I fought for it. I fought for it to be included before we just stop. And I did this by going rogue. And one morning when, cause I, I get to the office incredibly early. I always have, I'm an early bird. Um, and Nana-san would get to the office pretty early as well. So one morning when it was like me and maybe two other people in the office tops, Nana-san came in and I rushed over and I had a device in my hands and I showed her, I had Emily's content working on the device. And she was like, it's ready, you know, like very, very surprised because she hadn't really been told that the content was available and ready to go. So uh, with, with all of that, I was able to push it forward. And sometimes I don't know if I did the right thing. It was very, very brash to kind of muscle my way through the people above me to make that happen. But had I not, I don't know that any of the other characters we have would have seen the light of day. Well, I can. So. Well, I can tell you, sitting here as a person on the outside, I think that was the right decision. <laughs> what, what that means in the grand scheme of things, I know I have one lonely podcaster, but I thought it was a great decision. Thank you. I I like to think so too. So. And wow, just wow! I'm a little sad I didn't get to play that game though. Yeah, I have personal copies, like MP4 copies of the story. For my, you know, for my portfolio's sake, I've thought about uploading them. I have to ask the company if it's okay, right? Because, I mean, it's technically the company's content. But, yeah, it. I'm not always proud of everything in that story because it was my my very first. Um, I know. You know, it it had some very dark ending possibilities. Oh. Uh, all of them did. All four of the characters did. It wasn't just exclusive to Emily's content. So it wasn't like a punish your gaze thing. Everyone had some very bad ending possibilities, wow. which I'm thankful we've moved away from because I, I didn't enjoy it. Um, I don't enjoy writing bad endings. They aren't, they're, 
There's enough bad endings in the real world. I don't need that in my fantasy content. Preach. <laughs> so, Preach. Yeah. So, yeah, Emily's content was very, very long. The episodes we used to write were ridiculously long then. The, there were more episodes, so it, there were times where it kind of dragged on, but it will always be there with me as the first thing I ever successfully published. Oh, Yeah. And then Medusa came, and it was... a totally different experience medusa's production and release and reception were so wildly positive and, and so widely accepted people adore her um and i say that present tense because obviously people still play throughout I, mean, I, uh, I adore her right now like there's nothing yes. there's nothing like a cold hard bitch that can like punch you flat and then she's just like the softest the softest marshmallow with her girlfriend my it's my wonderful. former gang boss Medusa who just wants to live in her little pink house with her garden and drink tea like that's and have her bookstore <laughs> and have her bookstore she's she's got so many layers I can't wait until you finish the route oh, uh, oh my god I mean, like I saw that there were children in this route and I was yes. just like and I'm like very curious how that happened and at the same time it's like it's great gods who gives it but anyway yeah just... I, I will give you the very light spoiler of oh, we don't get what? into specifics because it's it's fantasy and it's magic, right? It's, and who cares? Who cares? I we want our characters to have those happily ever afters, and you know, again, real world prejudices, real world limitations, be damned. So, plus Medusa's loaded; she could afford any sort of scientific procedure as well. So that's true. She talked about buying her own island, and I was like, okay, yeah. Medusa was, has a lot of money. I'm just waiting. <laughs> I'm waiting for that sugar mama joke to actually be said. Like, there's a reference to it. I'm waiting for it to actually be said. Um. <laughs> Keep reading. Keep reading, for sure. Yay! But yeah, like, that was also something that was very nice to see, is that not only did your gay characters have a happy ending, but some of them had families. Like, some of them legitimately had, like, I guess you would say actual happy endings. Yes. Like, it will be a fast-forward to years later, and then you will see them with kids, and they're happy, and it's just like, Wow. It was incredibly emotional to release those stories. I'm I'm not married, uh, you know. I don't have children, but the idea of it, the the hope of it, is still so strong, right? Um, the year we released her wedding story is the year marriage equality was was granted. So that was also, you oh know, God. I was I was nearly crying in the office uh, the day that marriage equality was was brought into law and we were we had already been working on something for pride month and it was just it was such a good energy the stars and aligned they did and we've just we've really tried to carry that that feeling through everything we've done that's so amazing oh. <laughs> and i hope anyone that's having a bad day hears this and they're like yeah shit shit goes right in the end there's always hope you know, our, our newer stories have a lot of cliffhangers and a lot of action and suspense. But at the I end know. of the day, at the end of the day, there's always hope. And I know for a fact that we will not make something that doesn't have some sort of happy ending. Not every story will will go as long, will get as much, but it will always end happily because it's romance and we deal with enough heartbreak in real life. Thank you for telling me that, because I'm still trying to... I'm waiting for the rest of Helena's story, and I'm just like, please don't hurt her anymore. I mean, 
again, there's ups and downs. You're going to go through some really difficult yeah. stuff before you reach the happy I, ending, but it I will always end happily. I love it so much. I promised myself I wouldn't talk about it. And it, where, where are we going now? <laughs> I'm sorry. Are you working? Do you work on Hello Little Storyline too? Uh, yeah. So I'm in charge of Astoria Fates Kiss, Love and Legends, Havenfall is for Lovers, and Villainous Knights. I know there are other stories, and for some reason it's not coming up what those other stories are. Uh, so the other stories within the app are Gangsters in Love, Castaway ah. Love Adventure, Speak Easy Tonight, To Love and Protect, and Starship Promise. Am I forgetting any? I really hope not. That would be embarrassing. Huh? <laughs> but that's a lot. That is a lot to remember, and that's a lot to go through. And I, I won't lie, I might have tracked down who wrote certain stories, and I have a list of them that I'm going through. <laughs> Because <laughs> I love the writing on this. The writing is fantastic. And you said you had like 20 different writers that you work with? Uh, yeah, on and off. But there are some writers who are, you know, they're part of the team. They're staples. Uh, yeah, I, I forgot to ask them ahead of time if I could name drop them. So I won't for the sake of their privacy. Um, of course, but of course, that you know, means if they want to come talk to me... I'm always open to share their accomplishments. Yes. They are a little more tied by NDA than than the average person. But yeah, no, definitely. But we've had some people write the same person who wrote Medusa, wrote Serena, and wrote Altea, and Helena, um, and Mackenzie, you know, so there, and Alex, right? So there's, we keep people who show us that there's, there's really good content there. And I, between you and me, that is the person I'm following and going through all of those stories first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, me and them, we work together very, very closely. They're, they're my uh, closest writer, I would say. I absolutely love their writing. And feel free to let them know that if they ever want to talk to me, I am open <laughs> and I would love it. But, you know, I, I respect people's privacy, so I try not to bang down people's uh dms to like get them to interview except you no. apparently apparently i couldn't hold myself <laughs> back i was just like she does what now i'm going no no i'm happy you did this is this is a fun conversation i'm trying so. not to fangirl like i should have some professionalism in me and it's just gone already <laughs> i'm very flattered honestly you should be you've done so much amazing work and i cannot like i i can't say thank you enough for making this kind of content because it's really something that we need like people people argue oh i cannot believe the people who argue with me that it's not important to have gay characters and things and it's just like you said it's so funny that you mentioned gray's anatomy because i have a history with gray's anatomy like a literal example of how gray's anatomy made my life better and it was because i had just gotten i was taking a break in college and i went home to visit my stepmother and my family are conservative christians so mm. coming at them was not the easiest thing to do, but I can tell you what made it easier was that my stepmother, she would watch three things religiously. I already forgot what the last thing was. Great, great <laughs> point for the story, but she would always watch Grey's Anatomy, Desperate Housewives, and one other one that I cannot remember. And let me tell you, around the same year that I came out to myself and was getting prepared to come out to them, Grey's Anatomy had Arizona and Callion, and then uh, Desperate Housewives had another lesbian couple on as well. Yes. And I can yeah. tell you right now, that moved them towards accepting me for who I am. It's, still it's important. Yeah. It's important. The people who argue it's not, 
are so firmly seated in their place of privilege where they get to see themselves every single day in the media they consume that they they cannot grasp it so and it's yeah. it's just a shame it's it is it's just a shame because it really content that reflects the real world and reflects all of us is better and that's just a fact agreed it tattoo it on my body it is <laughs> it will always be relevant um okay then so do you want to talk about your personal experiences and what made you really really want to grab the bull by the horns excuse the metaphor and make this happen because you technically did make this happen <laughs> I did I did I sometimes that imposter syndrome sets in which isn't uh, it feels not valid to feel to say that because I have done so much uh, but sometimes it'll set in and be like are you claiming too much credit for this but genuinely these routes would not exist had I not been here at this company at this time um but yeah it i i realized i had the moment of realization i've always liked girls but the moment i had that awakening and and knew i did was in fourth grade uh right which is pretty young uh, mm -hmm. not uncommon but pretty young and the only media i could find anything that portrayed me at all in was Sailor Moon because yeah. I was able to buy the season three box set which I still own very proudly to watch in Japanese and see oh my god they're oh oh that's like me uh and then I would play the sims a lot and the sims was the first place I was ever able to sort of have that toy box feeling of making these these representations of me uh you know kiss girls and that sort of thing uh so those were two of the big big points the other was probably jade empire another one of bioware's titles uh which was their not their first because technically there was the the romance with juhani and kotor uh but it was kind of difficult to access and didn't have the same uh level of romance content as uh Bastila or I'm forgetting the male character's name and my best friend will hate me for it because she adored him. <laughs> uh, but Jade Empire, which is phenomenal. It's finally backwards compatible on Xbox One. I don't work with Xbox, but please go play it. It's so good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was the first time you could like really actively romance a woman as a woman. Um, you know, you got the kiss scene, you got the like, you guys definitely shared that tent together moment. <laughs> uh, and the character's name is Princess Sun Leon, aka Silk Fox. And she's so, she's very confident and sure of herself. And she doesn't really let anything hold her back. And I, I knew in that moment, like, I wanted more of that. And <laughs> never got it. <laughs> you really, you didn't... There, there hasn't been a ton of content. It's absolutely getting better. You know, you can romance Liara and Mass Effect along with a couple other people. Uh, but wanting to see more of myself and then I am very thankful, again, to have such a diverse group of friends. You know, wanting to see myself and wanting to see my friends in games, in TV, in movies was enough of a driving force to just do it. Um, took me a while to realize I could do it. 
uh, like I said, high school is when I had that, oh my God, you can make video games for a living moment. But I always knew I wanted to see us reflected in what we consumed. That's amazing. And you know, what's really funny is I had a friend that Jade Empire actually taught her that she was bisexual. <laughs> She'd never thought of exactly. it before. And then she got very, very, very emotionally attached to her. And she was like, what's going on? And then she looked deep inside of herself and she went, oh, I'm bi. That and makes me so happy. Jade Empire was really, really formative for me. Coming, you know, more firmly establishing my, my sexuality and my identity. It's just amazing. So so the favorite, my favorite question to ask is, when did you realize gay people as a thing? Because a lot of people, unfortunately for me, I didn't realize it later on in life. And then I was like, oh my God, that's why. <laughs> I was pretty young, thankfully, because again, I... You, you take from your parents what they show you of the world, right? And my parents and my dad, especially, you know, again, they, they really have a diverse group of friends. Um, and one of my dad's coworkers for the longest time when I was growing up, um, he is a gay man. And I found out, I think it was before the fourth grade revelation. <laughs> Um, that he was gay, that he was with a man. And I didn't fully, like, I, I don't think I fully processed it then, but I was like, oh, okay, you know. But yeah, pretty pretty early on, I was aware that gay people were a thing. Maybe not even necessarily lesbians, uh, but gay people were a thing and they existed. So I've I've been, again, very, very fortunate that my upbringing allowed me to to be around such an amazing group of different people from different walks of life. That's amazing. I, <laughs> I love hearing stories like this. It's just so wonderful. Oh, okay. Uh, man, I had a list of things we were going to talk about. And can I say the cat ate it? Because that's actually true. Oh my um, gosh, Kitty, no. I know, right? Like, it's, it, this happens, I leave my notes out. I have started to leave my notes in the refrigerator so the cats can't get to them, but I put it That's on the table really long funny. enough to... <laughs> like, people laugh about it. It's a little bit annoying at this point. I'm just like, why? Like, they don't even, like, eat it. It's not like a dog that will, like, eat it and, like, kind of... Because they... I don't understand why dogs would eat paper, but they do. But cats will just shred it to pieces and then sit <laughs> on it just to allow you to know that they did it. It's theirs now. Exactly. Like, I have shreds of a pamphlet that I made once upon a time all over my floor now because the cat was just like, this looks fun. Oh my goodness. Well, I obviously am I'm down to talk about any other topic you, you may come up with, with or without the list. Any other topic. Any other topic. Okay, so I know we had a lengthy discussion of anime and I, that's strangely <laughs> enough, manga is actually, I heard that snicker. <laughs> manga is actually where I really dove into the women loving women kind of thing because that was the easiest accessible thing for me back in the Definitely. day because you know back in the day when the internet wasn't actually full of queers everywhere there was it was actually hard to find it and I remember there was actually one summer in high school that I had thought I had read all of it and I got really sad because <laughs> oh. the the Yuri section on manga sites was surprisingly not very big and it took me a long time oh. to realize that's because not a lot of people were translating it Yes, exactly. I was very much in the fan uh, fan content spaces. Uh, there was an old forum 
uh, shoujo I dot mm-hmm. net, and then there was also the dot com. There were two that had like the same name, but they were two different things because one was a forum and one was like it was a forum plus fan fiction archive plus other other stuff. But, I think I was on that site too. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's like the main site we had back <laughs> in the day. So yeah, and I'm just it makes me so happy to see how much further the content has gone and how less problematic content also is. Yes. The, the, the whole fear of reading another Yuri manga was, let's see, are these two going to be somehow related um, in some weird way? Is this going to be some weird um, pedophile kind of stuff where you're just like, I don't want to know the main character's age. I don't want to know the main character's age. I don't want to know the main character's age. And lo-, lo and behold, they'll find a way to sneak it in and you'll be like, ah, no! <laughs> Yeah, no, and that's the that stuff still exists, but oh, on, abundance. But also, there's there's content that is more geared towards us now. I think part of the problem is a lot of the older content was made with a male audience in mind, whereas now there is very clearly a a, a female audience that wants this content, so it's being made at a higher quality. So to speak. And I'm very, I'm very happy for it. And then it's just, it's just like for some reason, like the, it's the monsters of marketing. They decided that boys were the thing they wanted to ship to market this towards, so they made it all geared toward them. And I'm sure you've had that problem in video games, like just getting through all of the men to say that video games are for girls too. Thankfully, because our company is purely targeting women, I have not really had to encounter that yet. I'm sure I will one day if I end up at a different studio. Um, But I will have this background now that I'm coming from of purely targeting women and showing that they would pay for video game content. I hope that it continues and that you never have to leave. I I want to read your stuff always, and I'm just oh, waiting. Thank you. I'm just waiting for the day that you can get more than two tickets at a time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a killer wait, huh? I I mean I don't know because I get tickets from work. <laughs> <laughs> no, it it is a killer wait, but it is so worth the wait. It I'm is, glad to hear it that. It is so worth the wait to just. I mean, I mean that's the point. That's the point of the game is that you know you can still. It, how do I say this? With a lot of apps out there, it's very clear to see some of them are very money grabbers. Like you can play up until a certain point and then it gets almost impossible to do anything unless you want to put a hundred plus hours into it. This is a game where you can literally have your cake and eat it too. You just have to wait a little bit longer to eat it. Yes. And, you know, I've seen fans really upset about the the heart choices right within the game. But the the thing I wish I could tell them all is that you're still going to get the happy ending even without the thing is those selections just give you even more it gives you even more time with your love interest it gives you even more loving scenes it gives you even you know it it broadens the experience but not choosing them doesn't ruin it yes 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 i will say that because i oh my wife is upstairs i'm not supposed to say this too loudly um I bought all of Helena's hearts, like all of them. I I did it first through season two, and I was like, I want to know so much more about her that I went through and actually did buy the hearts to see more of her story. And it didn't take away from the story not to have it. It just enriched it, and it was so 
wonderful, and I'm not going to do any spoilers, even though it's, oh, man, it's so hard not to talk about it, but it was so good. Like, it was so fantastic, and it really, it doesn't take away the story not to have it, but I do suggest that people have it. Exactly. Like, it's like I, if you it's have really to, a choice. If you have to, like, read through the story once first, and then go back over it again. It, like, it literally doesn't take away from anything, it just, it's so cute. Yes. Yeah, we. I try really hard not to punish users for not being able to afford the selection, but it's it's a balance for sure. People who pay, they they get that experience, right? They get more. Um, and people who can't, you know, it it can't be the same level of experience, but it's still going to. Again, we don't we don't do endings anymore not not the way we're used to right where you either got the passionate ending or the thrilling ending you know it it always is going to lead towards that happily ever after so we were on anime and it somehow flopped back over to your game that just goes to show how people's passions in life sometimes do translate into what they do oh absolutely there's so many anime tropes in the series that i work on there's there's direct references to sailor moon both in eis and in story like it it absolutely bleeds into what you do. So, I mean, Sailor Moon, as far as I'm concerned, was like almost, almost the pinnacle of it, other than Princess Knight. It was like it. I, I feel like it was big enough that it made a lot of it possible over here. Yeah, yeah. No, Sailor Moon is. I mean, it's in my my screen name, right? Sailor Scooby. Sailor Moon is kind of my my home in terms of content. When I I'm upset when I'm going through rough stuff. I go back to Sailor Moon. Oh, I feel you. I feel you. I think I'm going to ask a really difficult question now. Are you ready for it? Yes. Which Sailor Scout's your favorite? That's not a hard question. Ah! Not for me, at least. Sailor Venus is my favorite. OMG. Sailor Venus is my my role model, basically. She is is an icon for me and always has been because she is a leader and she is so strong. She went through so much alone and then she finally found her people, right? The people she knew she was meant to be with and meant to protect and meant to, you know, live with for for the end of eternity for the rest of her life. And she's she's so driven in what she loves. I am very much, I love the manga the most. I love season three of Crystal. Uh, I love the live action, which is a very controversial statement, but I love the live action. Um, and I love the original anime, but pretty much in that order. <laughs> no, I feel you. I feel you. Like I, the the day I learned that America changed a lot of things over, like the censorship that America did on Sailor Moon, like it that was the day I was like floored. I was yeah. like on the floor. I felt so betrayed because a Zoazite was a man the whole time, <laughs> and two, there were lesbians, and I, I just ugh, I almost fell for the they're just close cousins bullshit. I was just like, I was like, okay. They tried real hard they tried. to race it. But Zoazite as a freaking woman just kills me. It, that one yeah. killed me so much. I was just like, how is this? No. Yeah, no, it's it's a lot. I, I had something and I'm totally spacing now. It's fine. Sailor, Sailor Jupiter is my favorite. But I, nice. I, I guess I have a lot more connections with Jupiter because I, I connected with her. You know, she had to be a really tough girl for a long time. And then it turns out she's just a big softie. Yes. 
Venus. No, she. All of them are good. I love each and every one of them. Venus is just sort of like my patron sailor, right? If if I were to put it that way. I I feel you. I ship her with someone that I should not be shipping her with. <laughs> Ray and Minako are are my OTP to end all OTP. Didn't wasn't people. there a whole like wasn't there a part of the manga where they were dating where it was actually canon? Or uh, it's I... never actually canon. Oh God, that was a. I hate when I come across fan manga and I don't know the difference. <laughs> like, I thought it was real. Why can't yeah. it just be real? Like, yeah. screw everyone they're with. Just let them be together. Yeah. Anyway, they're good. I, I ship Sailor Venus with Sailor Pluto. Even though they've, like, maybe spoken one single line to each other, I don't know why I do it. There I were a lot of people that. who, upon seeing season five, started to ship it. I... I not- get... I get my thing. I get but... it. It does. It doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. But I'm just like I That's like the thing. Them ships, together. Ships don't have to make sense. Lately, the internet has had this very strong feeling that like the ship has. The only way ship can be valid is if it could somehow be canon. But that's no. not where shipping originates from. Shipping is putting two characters together that you love, and but you know that nobody will put together because they're cowards. <laughs> but yeah, I I don't know. Ray, Ray Nako is is where my heart lies. What, again, when I'm having a bad time, if I'm going through some rough stuff, I'll always I'll always come back to Sailor Moon and I'll come back to Ray Nako. Um, they're my second favorite. They're oh, that's a lie. Jupiter and uh, Mercury are actually my second favorite. Yeah, no, they're they're also wonderful. But yeah, there's there's like I said, there's direct references in the game, right? In Love Struck to it, there's um there's an EI for Aurora from season one. That is a direct reference is, to a you know, Reynako moment. I thought I was projecting <laughs> that. I thought I was just projecting it so hard. And I was just like, nope, it's okay. Just keep going. No, the uh, the EI where Aurora is shushing MC, right? She has her finger on MC's lips. That is a direct reference to, to Sailor Moon. So. My heart's like exploding in my chest right now. <laughs> You can find a lot of those across the app in in the mail routes too, but like we we don't ugh, hide our influences. It's just that people don't notice them. <laughs> That's lies. Villainous Knights have a lot of pop culture references. Yes, I I see it all the time, and I'm just like ah. Yes, Villainous funny. Knights. There's a lot to lean into since it's super villains. So yeah, I'm still trying to get through that one, but I got distracted because Medusa. I think that's that's a worthy I think that's a worthy substitute Yes, Medusa is is bae (sighs) Waiting for my tickets to upload But I'm like, I'm having an interview I can't do this right now (laughs) How would you feel if somebody did that? They're like, I would talk to you right now But my tickets are back, so I've definitely had that happen (gasps) No. No, but like in a good way. In a good way. I mean, I guess you I've were... gone to conventions with my friends and like as a joke they're like, "Shh, I'm playing your game right now." <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's I, it's endearing. I I don't ever take it too personally. Oh. Okay, so do you have any other influence you dwelled on other than Sailor Moon? Even though Sailor Moon is I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like there's so many girls out there that Sailor Moon meant a lot for. Yeah, it it did. It meant a lot for me. I also, as I started to get older, Full Metal Alchemist was a really huge influence on me. Avatar: The Last Airbender, mm-hmm. Digimon was huge. I was 
huge into Digimon as a kid and and the different things that meant. And then there's one game. This is the game I was playing when I got the call from my university that I was accepted to attend. I was playing Tales of Symphonia. It's the very first game I bought with my own money. Um, I own it three times over. (laughs) I own it on GameCube. I own the PS3 version and I own it on Steam. Uh, not quite as many times as I owed Jade Empire, which I own five times. Um, yeah. And that's only because I don't own an Xbox One to own it six times. <laughs> um, but Tales of Symphonia was really my first JRPG and one of my only JRPGs. I got into Persona much, much later in college. Um, I love Persona. Yeah, but Tales of Symphonia really, I think you can see that influence much more subtly, but like persistently throughout everything I do. Um, because its themes of hope and its themes of self-sacrifice isn't something to be glorified, right? It Those themes really are in every single thing I do, because it is one of the most influential pieces of media on my life. Wow. Yeah. People trying to tell me that it's just games. It's just fiction. You, people don't even, I don't understand don't people who say that. Like, how do you, how do you think that? These are probably the same people, though, that are under the same impression that I am that pineapples grow on trees when they don't. <laughs> and they're just like, how did we even think that? What do you watch a lot of times? Like, it's, I try, I try really hard to pinpoint where in my life I've ever seen pineapple on trees. And that's why I think they grow on trees. I'm pretty sure and it's just cartoons that do that. But they grow out of the ground on little bushes. Yeah. And, you know, do you know how, like, it's just like the world has lied to me too many times. (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's just amazing that people don't even realize how much it really means to people. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, no, I realize there's one other influence I didn't talk about, which is... uh, when I was in college, the Stephanie Brown run of Batgirl, which was written by Brian Q. Miller, was releasing. And I was going through something really, really difficult at that time that I, I won't get too into. But, you know, I, I was in a very low place. And they they announced that they were canceling all of the DC comics to relaunch with the new 52. And I was oh gutted. I... I felt lost I made a quick little vlog about it where I was basically crying about how much it meant to me and how sad I was that it was going because Stephanie Brown meant hope and Brian Q. Miller himself uh someone someone forwarded it to him and he got in touch with me and he and I still uh we still follow each other but he personally sent me signed copies of of all the comics that I had not yet like bought you are a magical force. You just make things happen. Like, what is this? <laughs> some of my coworkers and some of my friends will call me the people's princess. Uh, because oh, I, I will just, I, I do the thing. Um, and it's, it's an endearing title, but a little embarrassing. If you do the because thing, you make the thing happen. Holy I just, shit. I like talking to people. I like getting to know people. I like helping people see themselves where they don't yet. So <laughs> that was the other big influence. Stephanie Brown is a little bit like my my American comics equivalent of of Sailor Venus um, in a way. Oh, I see so, it. Yeah, I see it. <laughs> Her as Batgirl really, really helped put me back in a positive state of mind uh, when I was struggling. 
and then there's there's of course other other ref, or other uh, influences along the way, but I think those are some of the bigger ones. Wow, that's crazy. I think around that time I was into Batwoman, and I was upset that they kept changing her freaking storyline. Yeah, oh. no, that one bounces around quite a bit. It's just like, what is she? I don't know anymore. It's like, at least they kept pretty great though. Exactly. I'm so glad that they've kept the fact that she's a lesbian though. Like I was waiting for them to turn around and try to do something else with her. But I feel like there would be a riot. Yeah, no, that's a very well-established part of her character at this point. Exactly. It's No one's thinking back to the days when she was married to Bruce Wayne. No one cares about that. She didn't even have red hair. As far as I'm concerned, that was not... Different character. That was not Honestly. Her. Anyway. Oh, this conversation got a lot longer than I thought it was going to. But I'm happy for it. I love it. I love <laughs> I'm it. Glad. I love conversation. So any... Other questions you want to have or anything else you just want to, you just want to share. You just want to tell us about like words of encouragement to all of those who are trying to make queer stuff for people or just make, just make content for people that people don't already have. Make the, it's so cliched, but make the content you want to see, whether it be something you needed when you were growing up, something you need right now. Just if you make content that you need, it will resonate with other people because it's a little nihilistic, but we're never alone in these things. Even even when we feel so individually alone, this is uniquely my problem. At the end of the day, it might not be. There might be even one other person out there. There probably is who feels the same and needs that as needs that content as well. So you have to keep doing it, and don't be afraid to talk to other people and get help uh, making it and just in general. <laughs> I feel you. That was a beautiful statement. Oh, thank you. That was a beautiful statement. I need to figure out how to transcribe notes so I can just put that somewhere. Every time someone comes to me and says, you know, I love this so much, I'm working on my own thing, I always, always, always try to tell them, please show me when you're done. I want to read what you wrote. I want to play the game you're making because I do, genuinely. If I had any sort of influence on someone, I want to see what they create because what show is it from that's like, oh, it's not a great show, but uh, basically I feel you. the sentiment is if you want to see the world become a better place, you have to be willing to accept that the people younger than you, the people coming up after you are going to do things better than you did. And I am always looking to see the better. I always want to see what people are doing. So. It just fills my heart with all sorts of joy. <laughs> like, There's my magical girl speech of the day. Oh my god. I feel like you're full of those. Like, yeah. You, feel, <laughs> like, you must be, because from what I'm hearing, I'm a believer. You're not doing yourself a favor by convincing people you're not a people's princess, because <laughs> you're, you're just confirming this for me. Goodness. That's, yeah. The character Mei Chan in Astoria. Uh, mm -hmm. I would always say, so this is another writer, the writer who wrote Emily with me. So she and I are blood bound. We're very, we're very close, uh, because we went through a lot to get Emily's story. Really, she wrote Emily, she wrote Hades and Astraeus and, um, Aurora, uh, you know, and quite a few others, but those are some of the big ones I can remember off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. You know, I would always say... I'm Mei-chan and you're the hero, but she is very, very adamant. Anytime I say that, she's like, 
no, Scooby, you're wrong. You are the Astoria heroine, and I am your Mechon. So oh we we go back we go back and forth <laughs> on that sort of thing. That is so funny because May is like my favorite side character. She's so hilarious, and she's like, I'm waiting. Like for some reason in these stories, sometimes I'm waiting for the the side character to also have their own plot, <laughs> and I'm just like, that's that's not how this is gonna work. But I can Mechon. Mechon is very, very good. I love her a lot. She has some of the best lines in all of a story, across all of the routes. There's a line in Hades that said writer wrote, where Kieran goes, what would I do without you, May? And May goes, die, probably. And (laughs) that has stuck with us, the entire team. It's one of our favorite lines in all of Astoria. So she's a good character. I did just read through one of the special side stories on Medusa, (laughs) And May just shows up at the beach, and Medusa's like, she scares me sometimes. And I was like, oh my god! That I love that story a lot. The beach the beach episode of Medusa is worth the the hearts, I think, to unlock it, is, it personally. It's not, that, it's not even that many hearts. Like, you have the hearts almost automatically if you can just, like, get the special daily bonuses. But that one is so worth it. And I just, <laughs> I have renamed Medusa and the MC just PDA Queens. Because it's like, they, it doesn't matter where they are. They are, like, making out. They're doing stuff in public. It's like you're in a restaurant full of people, and you're just, okay. At least they went home at one point. Yes. And that's um, the other thing, um, to touch back real quick. Like, a lot of couples can see themselves doing that in media already, specifically heterosexual couples. But gay couples don't have that luxury still. True. That so, is so to true. write that without it being something that has consequences right to write that where it's just like look that couple is making out look that couple is like holding hands or you know look making it normal making it an everyday part of life um you know and an even better example is alex cyprin our first ever non-binary love interest they are never misgendered and would never be and will never be because that's not part of the world Alex's identity is not something to be questioned. It's who they are. Not even their greatest enemies would misgender them because that's not a thing in Astoria. And that was so beautiful. I was waiting because I've seen that they have enemies and I was waiting for one of them to say something. And I can I just tell you like just how perfect of like a character that is in a whole, just like a child of Aphrodite that's non-binary and a complete charmer. That is yes. the most perfect character I've ever heard of. Who is your childhood friend? I just, exactly. It's just like, if you had a one-liner to describe a character that's perfect, I would point at Alex. Because I was like, yeah. that one. No, they're wonderful. One. And everyone on the team was in complete agreement, 100% agreement, that that would never be a thing. That's not a thing that exists in these worlds. Um, you know, these prejudices don't exist. So That was so amazing. Okay. That's why you can see all these characters being absolutely too much PDA in public because I refuse to put the same fear in those actions into these fantasy worlds. And it's so nice, too. But, like, I'm worried about that beach scene. I was like, you can guys get arrested. <laughs> you guys can get arrested for that. Medusa has the money. It's fine. She has That's the money. That's my excuse for everything. And I would assume, like, a regular, like, hum- the human cops probably wouldn't even try. They'd be like, oh, no, we don't we don't touch that one. That's yeah, really yeah. She, they can get away with it. It's fine. Uh, that's hilarious. Uh, how did we get back here? 
Okay. Okay. Is there anything else you want to talk about? I don't think so, unless you had any other questions. Um, I think I've covered my bases. Everything from here on out is just pure selfishness that I want to hear about people's storylines. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I can't do this. Because <laughs> I've, I've tried really hard not to. I've tried really hard not to, like, to, like, take a gazillion screenshots of everything and just put it on Twitter. Because these are stories people should really see for themselves. So I try really hard to censor what I put out there, I guess. Because let me tell you, my, full, my phone is literally full of screenshots from this game. And I'm just like, I can't, I can't put that out there. Because it will, it will, A, ruin something. And, like, what's the point of, you know, that's not true. Because I really enjoy live tweets. And it's like, it doesn't matter if I've already seen the episode. I really enjoy them. But exactly. Still. I'm I'm personally of the mind that posting screenshots is honestly I, I love when people do it because you never know what line, what screenshot is gonna be the one that finally gets someone to try it. True. I'm trying to So I'm always it. like, post your favorite parts, post parts that made you laugh out loud, post parts that made you cry, you know, like post the stuff that you you enjoyed so much that you think, hey, maybe someone else will like this. I'm glad I have your permission now. <laughs> you might. The main thing that. we ask is just not to post like very long chunks, right? Yeah. Of course, of course, of course. And if I could, though, I would screenshot all. Well, you know, actually, I don't have to because I I went through and through, and I'm just so happy that once you get the hearts together to do something, that it stays like that. Like I don't have to spend the hearts again oh yeah we would never ask someone to pay twice for that like that's that's heart content is content you buy right it's it's unlocked forever even the side stories yeah the side stories once you buy them are unlocked whoops i didn't know that yeah i mean that's good because now i can go read it again <laughs> yes yes you can always go read it again now okay i think i think i'm gonna wrap this up because we've almost been talking well we've been talking for over an hour <laughs> well thank you so much for inviting me to talk to you this was so much fun and i really hope uh some of your listeners out there give love struck a try because really we've been trying and i have been personally trying to make romance content for every one of us it's and it, it is such a journey and it's so fun and it's just it's really worth the wait let me tell you from someone who is very impatient in life it is worth the wait <laughs> So, but I'm I'm definitely going to continue to talk about it, even as people look at me and they're like, "What is this?" And I'll be like, "You know what? You know what? Go go look at it. Just go. Just give it a chance and go look at it because it is really it really is worth it." And I will probably I will I will fight anyone who tells me otherwise. Like I will. Thank you. I will get Thank you for playing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for playing. I I really mean it. Well, if, if there is gay, I am there. So <laughs> That's my slogan. I'm going to put on a t-shirt one day. I won't be able to sell it because nobody wants to have a target on their back. But if there is gay, I am there. <laughs> okay. Uh, so let's, I guess let's wrap this up. Let people know where they can find you. Sure thing. So you can find me personally on Twitter and Tumblr as Sailor Scooby. Um, and I'm just, I'm out there in the world. I am in an upcoming anthology called, uh, let me actually open it so I don't butcher this. <laughs> I'm in an upcoming anthology from marginalized game devs 
You can pre-order it on both Amazon and CRC Press. Uh, my pinned tweet has links to it. It's called uh, Tales from the Margins. And it's, again, it's about marginalized game devs. I have a chapter in there. Um, and it's coming out June 13th. Um, so definitely check that out if you can. And uh, Lovestruck is on iOS, Android, and Kindle Fire. You can play it on Kindle? You can you play can. games on Kindle? You can. Kindle what? Fires, at least. Not just the paper white ones, but the, the fires you can. Oh. I mean, that's fun to know. I'm learning every day. <laughs> every day I'm learning. All right. Well, it was so great for you to come join us. If you have any friends that want to come on and share their stories, feel free. If you ever want to come on and share another story or, hey, who knows, maybe you have another release that's coming out you're really excited about. I am here. You can, you can use me. You only have to give me certain spoilers to attend. <laughs> I'm joking. You don't have to. But uh, they are welcome. <laughs> and well, I guess we will see everyone again soon. Thank you again.